1: Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the
2: World Cup again with Squidge.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Rugby Retrospective Podcast thing. I got the name close to right there. The podcast is just burning goals before we started recording. Recor- recording. Recording. And now we're recording.
2: <laughs> it's all a massive problem. We're massively downhill. So, we've started recording. When are we going to start recording? we've we've started recording now this okay. is fine
0: okay uh
1: we were speculating moments before coming on air so the Premier League said six players
0: have passed or have, are, have wow what a start
1: this was going so well until it I was going so button. well
0: before and now i don't know it's ruined now well um <laughs> that
1: voice you hear is the one and only tom savage from the free red kings thank you Hello. both for joining us how are you doing
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm still I'm barely awake, but I'm but I'm here. I'm present. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what prioritised all we can ask for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we are... <laughs> You've heard already, we don't care people are awake, dopey, whatever. Um I've made that abundantly clear. Yeah. Hence why us um, two are presenting
2: this podcast.
1: Yeah, I don't know how anyone let that happen. No. Um how are we doing? How are we all? I'm good.
0: I'm good. I've been kind of. I've been trying to keep up with the uh, Super Rugby, uh, the mm. breakdown stuff. I've been kind of looking at that a lot, uh, and and mainly it's just a, it's just a relief not to be having to do my own podcast for a change. So this is good. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I'm not sure what like what, what levels of prep go. Like, I don't prep for my podcast, so it's just like mm. this is like I just think I get to just sit down, somebody else is recording. I don't have to worry about the sound. that's that's that's, that's That's, your problem so yeah i'm just i'm fine i'm grand
1: that's perfect yeah when i did your podcast i was amazed at how little so actually it's worth mentioning that when i was doing your podcast to what what was it a couple of months ago maybe yesterday i can't tell Uh, was was it last week i don't know yeah who knows but i think there'd been some error in communication somewhere and you thought (laughs) i thought i was recording your podcast and you thought you were recording this podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I had been a- ambivalent in, in what was going on. I, I'm not sure, because I'd i said it to you that time in Cork, but yeah. then w- when it came to it, I was just like, yeah, this must be for his podcast. Because in my head, it was only, well, I'll do the podcast in person. <laughs> so I just didn't twig. Oh yeah, we'll do that. So I was preparing for, for this podcast then, and then just had to... <laughs> switch over very quickly because I think it was only what a few hours before I realized yeah oh, hang on <laughs> this is supposed to be from
2: hang own. on so did you watch island v australia again in preparation for your own podcast
0: I did. Well, I, I, I did but it's just like I I had like I broke down a, a, like a main some, some of the clips from it just yeah. basically I just went to look at it and um you know the I had looked at it all before I'd done all this prep ages ago so mm, right. like I I well all this prep, I, I watched this and I looked up at <laughs> the forehead. Um, but yeah, when it came to now, I'm just, I'm just gonna remember, remember. Sure. I'm very good at remembering things. I'm like very tired, but yeah. I, I can remember.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about the six Premiership players who have COVID nineteen? Then. Oh yeah, we'll that was them.
1: the thing we were beginning to say. So my speculation before we went was Danny K and Chris Ashton. I feel fairly nailed on with. And we were just discussing Bryce Heem, who yeah. I reckon, I reckon Bryce Heem probably licks doorknobs on his way out of rooms and yeah. has since been tested positive several times. He's the first person to get coronavirus four or five times.
2: Yeah, I was saying that he might be really careless with the way he handles counters and stuff, that he's going to yeah. pick it up somewhere inadvertently. And the most, the most boring way he can possibly pick up the coronavirus, at least do it in an exciting <laughs> way. God.
0: Like, you, you'd want to get it in a situation, a bit like speed, you know, where there's, like, you're stuck <laughs> on a bus and it's trapped over a certain number of miles per hour. If you caught coronavirus there, you'd be like, okay, well, fair enough. I've kind of earned that. But, like, when you catch oh. it in the shops, it's just a bit, like, it's a bit <laughs> uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: okay. And that's what when you go to hospital as well. When you go to hospital and get tested for coronavirus and they, they start treating you for it, they they should ask. How did you catch it? And if it's a cool enough way, then they'll treat you, you know. Whereas if you caught down the shelf, you're yeah. like, oh, come on, mate. You can do better than
0: that. Okay. Oh, you, you, were, you were picking you up a mean... bit of yogurt and you caught coronavirus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Death via yogurt. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned speed. That leads me on to two things. One, if speed is a way of catching it, then maybe John Hardy has it. Uh, there's Yay. a little, little drugs joke for you. And That's secondly, nice. so, of course, the speed is, is a film, uh, but a a much superior film in fact you might say the best film ever made is the film Crank starring Jason Statham which is basically a remake of Speed in which Jason Statham plays the bus so what I want to propose is Crank 3 in which Jason Statham has coronavirus and has to give it to <laughs> as many people as possible inside 48 hours
2: starring Danny Care and Bryce He. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Get cameos.
0: That'd be cheating, though, if he gave it to Bryce. Then it's just like there's no real kind of juice. No. within then because he's, he's just off and he's just mm. licking countertops and whatever else. Like. <laughs> yeah. That isn't exciting. That's you know that's just something that's. I reckon he does that anyway. So this is just like he's in. Look,
1: Bryce, it was not again. Every day this week, I've caught the coronavirus. <laughs> I, I want to make it clear that like, Bryce doesn't have a law degree or anything,
2: can we? He can't sue us for libel. <laughs> We we just picked a random Premiership player. Yeah, I just tried to pick like a, a, somebody who plays for an obscure club. You know, I was trying to think yeah. back rower. Then I just thought, no, I love to pick on wingers.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and and Bryce Heem is a is a pretty cool name. It is. So well, like it is. It, isn't it, it's it? fun to say.
1: Yeah, Bryce Heem is the kind of name you only get in New Zealand provincial rugby. Oh yeah, you? yeah. Like I've come to recognise this as well that there are certain names. I will hear for the first time in Super Rugby Roa, for example, and whenever I've watched the ITM Cup, whatever it's called now, at the Air New Zealand Cup, whatever you want to call it, the certain names I hear for the first time and I go, I'm sure I've heard of them, just because they sound like a Kiwi rugby player. Yeah. They've just got and
2: really kiwi sure names. I'm pretty sure the Sevens team have recycled the same six names for the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's been 10 Will Jordans who played for the Sevens team. It's
1: like on Football Manager when you get to Regens and they've got just from the pool of players already in the game and they just randomly put two names together. It's exactly like that. They just put together a random comment. And it'd be like, instead of, you know, it'd be Dan McCaw, right, and uh, Richie Carter and now playing. Uh, let's, let's
2: go with that. I can remember there was once on Rugby Challenge because it randomly generates just based on any player in the game, including ones you've made yourself. Yeah. And I can remember you did basically a 15 of film characters and one of them had the first name oh. The... And then it just came in, like, it just generated like the name, like the Joseph or something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be if, um, uh, you know, you're, uh, the, the guy, Jonathan Joseph, if he decided to just get really into referring to himself in the third person, he could just start. <laughs> the is my new first name now.
1: <laughs> I think it's he like Ryan... I think he could. Ryan Wilson wanted to name his son, just Wilson, like a Brazilian footballer. <laughs>
2: Which That's I think a great is
1: a wave. very good bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. His wife was not into it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But the, the thing that the um, Elon Musk's child, the oh, yeah. AEA 12 or whatever it is, at least there's no premiership players or pro-14 players naming their children that. <laughs> not that we know of anyway. Okay.
1: Which premiership player though would be, or which rugby player would be most likely to name their son after an equation?
2: Joe Marla. Um, Joe matter for Christ. Is- bit of banter. <laughs> It'd be and he would get it shaved into his head. <laughs> Joe Marler would name
1: his son 80085.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and when, like, when he gets the scan back of the baby, he'd have that shaved into his head as well. And it's just, it's yeah. actually quite touching. It's yeah.
2: a <laughs> It would be good banter, to be fair. It would be great banter. He loves banter. It would
1: be great banter. I worry about what Joe is up to at the minute. Now he can't do any banter with his teammates
2: in lockdown. Well, they did that thing where the, the premiership players were asked to do a video to support people through COVID-19, mm. like particularly NHS workers. And he then decided to make it all about himself and start talking about, oh yeah, let's follow what Bozzer's saying, lads. And it's just like, oh, come on, Joe Marler, just stick up for the NHS. Take this one seriously, mate. Come he, on.
1: He tripped over his dog in that video as well, which was sort of funny. You know, people falling over dogs is always quite funny. So fair play to Joe Marlott. That it's is a, a career highlight, and like that should dogs. be on the highlights
0: reel. Yeah. It's a bit like that scene from <laughs> Only Fools and Horses, except instead of your man falling through a bar, it's him falling through a dog. It's <laughs> iconic, really. <Yeah.
1: laughs> but, uh, should we? We're ten minutes in. Should we mention what game we're covering? <laughs> yeah, on? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to mention it in passing, and then we can, you know, sure. Um, sure. Pretty big game. <laughs> so, it, no, it was yeah, and it's in one of the things we, we talk about from yeah. the tournament. Yeah, so we the idea is that we were going to talk about Ireland against Australia, Ireland 15, Australia 6. So it was pretty much the first big upset of the 2011 World Cup. It was... right. I was thinking about this when I was watching it. Is this arguably Ireland's biggest win in a World Cup? Uh, what about the quarterfinals? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I can't remember. Have they, they won any quarterfinals?
0: Nah, well, you know, I mean, there's, there's the moral victories... Um, of, of which we've this, had quite a few. And hey, I, I hold them close to my heart. There's the friends you made <laughs> along the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, you know, there, there was a, it was a good time. It's not necessarily about the end point. It's about how you got there and, and the fun you had <laughs> along the way. And we certainly did have a lot of fun. The, yeah, like, I, I, I hear this a lot from, um, you know, friends of mine in New Zealand who are constantly <laughs> referencing, but how does it, what is that even like to not ever win a quarterfinal? How, how do you deal with this? And it's just like, yeah. Look, failure at a World Cup, it's, I'm used to it now when it comes to the knockouts. It's just, it just happens. It's just like, oh, there you are. It's a bit like that, you know, hello, darkness, my old friend. It's like, hello, quarterfinal exit, my old friend. It comes back and it's just, you know, I'm okay with it now. It's just like, if, if, if we ever get past the quarterfinal, like, in the next time round, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even know what to, how to react to that. Like, oh, we, we're, we're not going home now? <laughs> oh, my God. Got to reschedule <laughs> those flights. Yeah. That's, yeah, oh my god! I got to change them. <laughs> you know, they
1: they tell them when they come for the quarter, they turn up for the semi-final. Tell them at the beginning to adopt their usual positions,
0: and they all go and get on the flight home. <laughs> <laughs> like this one in 2011. That that hurt because, like, I I I, I thought we could beat Wales, mm. and obviously we didn't. But in 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 this World Cup. I thought it was as good a shot as we were we were ever going to get to it, get at least to a semi final, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was just a little bit more deflating than normal because it was the Wales. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not that sorry. But...
0: No, no. It's just <laughs> like I, I demand reparations for this. I'm going to get my Phillips. I'll drag <laughs> yeah. my Phillips down
2: to apologise personally. Oh, please yeah. do not bring him down. Before we came on air, you were talking about the Sexton versus Ogara battle as well. Oh God. Is that something you have like a key memory of coming into this World Cup?
0: Very much so. Like you look at Ireland from everything kind of goes back to that Munster versus Leinster semi-final in 2009. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Because Ireland won a Grand Slam that year. And one of the big memories of the 2009 year was Rob Carney in a meeting before the the Six Nations in 2009, kind of putting it up to the Munster players, kind of saying, well, why don't you play like this for Ireland? Mm. Pretty much. And uh, that was kind of seen as a bit of an impetus because Declan Kidney had come in straight from winning the, the, the Heineken Cup with Munster and Ireland won a Grand Slam that year. And that semi-final in May after the Grand Slam was sort of the emergence of Johnny Sexton where he came along and in, after Gordon Darcy scored a try shouted in Ron O'Gara's face and there was, that was a huge moment because O'Gara had called him a nobody or something like that in the previous game or something. There was a bit of edge there anyway. And then once Leinster went on to win that Heineken Cup all of a sudden, then if, up until that point, it was Ronan O'Gara, or we're in an absolute panic if he gets injured. But now yeah. Johnny Sexton emerged; he's the guy. He like is and he's looking like he could be the guy now. And in the aftermath of that, with the fact that Declan Kidney was also the coach, you know, for, former Munster coach, there was a kind of a, a real battle for that number ten jersey. Of do you stick with O'Gara? Do you go with Johnny Sexton? Both guys had their supporters. You know, you ask different people about Ronan O'Gara, oh, he's finished, he's this, that, and the other. You ask uh, Sexton, oh, his goal-kicking is this, that, or the other. And coming up into this 2011 World Cup, like uh, like there was this, in the Six Nations and in the build-up to it, there would be the kind of the bench cam. It would basically, the camera would go on to, after Johnny Sexton did something, either kick a penalty or miss a penalty, the camera would go to Ronan O'Gara in the stands and would show him, hmm, Yes, disappointing. If if your man missed a penalty and kind of with the sort of yeah, I, I would have got that. But like it's kind of thing where if they if they had a camera of the like Johnny Sexton in the buffet in the morning, if he picked up the last sausages before he got on, you'd go to Ron O'Gara, cut to him, kind of going, oh yeah, typical. It's just they had this rivalry <laughs> between the two of them, and it was kind of a real defining factor coming into uh, this World Cup a big like who do you go with the experienced guy or the new guy who is mm. doing so well with Leinster and it was a, a, a defining kind of I suppose battle for what Ireland were going to look like going forward especially coming into this World Cup
2: I grew up with O'Gara because O'Gara's not somebody who... Neither O'Gara or Sexton really sort of people who can be civil with their enemies. I can remember specifically there was one thing with O'Gara when the Ospreys had just played Munster and the Ospreys had won. And O'Gara and Mike Phillips really didn't get on. And like famously they'd had like arguments on the Lions Tour and stuff playing 9 and 10 together. And after the final whistle, when they were going through shaking everyone's hand, the camera was showing that that tunnel... And uh, when Phillips and Ogara kind of intersected, they both just didn't look at each other and just walked straight past each other. And there was just like a, an unspoken but known disrespect towards each other. And I love that shit, shithousery. Oh,
0: I love it. I, I, I love the, I love the I, idea of it not ending once the final whistle goes. Yeah. It's like as in, yeah. oh, just that, that spite.
2: Yeah. I love just, that. No, don't like that. you. Fair enough. Yeah, it's
0: quite beautiful, isn't it? like as in the whole idea of like, oh, we'll shake hands and be, and be friends after the game. It's like, come on, no, we're oh, not. Man. Stop that. I rem-
1: I remember about that period as well because that was not long after that 09 Lions tour, and Ron Lagara had gone on this rant in the media about how he should have started ahead of Stephen Jones. And he said that, well, they said it's about combinations, but I don't have a problem with Mike Phillips. It's like, look, look at your entire, every time you played Wales or the Ospreys, ever. Look at all the evidence. No, you don't. Yes, you do have a problem with Mike Phillips. You two don't get
2: on. As you say, there's that's not the only case of them not shaking hands. Yeah, yeah. And of course, this whole thing about Johnny Sexton and Dan Bigger are basically sworn enemies and those two will well- never get on, you know? They're because against... they're the same person. They are. They're identical. Because they're
1: like <laughs> they're identical personalities. We've come uh, there up was a great clip today. from about lead up to that first final in Lentz that the Ospreys won uh in 2010. The Ospreys did this kind of player diary thing in the lead up where they had different players kind of holding a, a shaky, like, old school camcorder and filming each other walking around. So like there's a bit where Jerry Collins in Dublin Airport keeps oh, walking yeah. up to people saying, I want to look for hunt and it's just going up to people and asking them if they're leprechauns. Which is, there's like a, you can almost see Tommy Bo in the background kind of wincing. And like, <laughs> what are you doing? But, and it's the sort of thing they'd never let out these days. No. I, there's no way they let that get published. But there's a bit where they're on the flight and Tommy Bow is sat next, who's holding the camera, is sat next to Dan Bigger. And he says, tell you what, uh, what do you think of Johnny Sexton? And Dan Bigger says, like, oh, you know, he's a good player. You know, I've got a lot of respect for him uh, as a player and as a person. And then Tommy Bow says, why don't you tell us what you said to me earlier? <laughs> and <laughs> Bigger just kind of like awkwardly laughs and shakes it off and dodges the question.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I like I, I want to have my my 10 be, having that hmm. kind of spiky. nasty, oh, yeah. And a way about them where they have guys yeah. who are like they have a list and on that list, on the top of the sheet it says enemies, and they have like 12 guys on that list. <laughs> They're all from different teams. That's what I want. I want, to, I want to see lads who've got that list of like a hate list, guys who they yeah. despise.
2: Yeah, I love that. Because like, damn big, don't get me wrong, I get Very annoyed sometimes being complaining at the referees. But me and Robbie after the game Wales France game, the Six Nations, we had to look through it and there's a point where after the game he pulls aside Matt Carley the referee, about five minutes after the final whistle's gone, and he starts giving him a lecture about how nobody likes him. Dan Bigger does. And he starts saying that, you know, you make it all about yourself. The players don't like you for this reason. We don't respect you. And you can hear it on the ref mic.
1: And it is you've probably got to go over it because, as I say, the ref's like, mic's being kind of lowered yeah. and there's players talking over it and the commentators talking over it and there's several things going on and there's music playing in the background and the crowd sound and everything. But if you go for it forensically, you can just about hear Dan Bigger say, This is why the players don't like you.
0: That's <laughs> like what a nightmare for the referee, like, is in that's like something you kind of like, Wait a minute, is this a dream? Am, 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 am I not wearing any pants now?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> The best bit is as well. Dan Bigger was then released, as per his contract, to play for Northampton the following week, and his referee was, of course, Matt Carley.
0: <laughs> I just like—I think these guys are just have a sort of we uh, Were referees? I'd like to think that they also have an enemies list where they're just like, you know what? I hate this guy. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not giving him nothing today. This is like, yeah, yeah. I'd expect, I, I, I would get that because, like, for me. You know, I see a lot of lads like sucking up the referees and stuff. You know, at, you know, at club level and stuff like mm. that. It's like, I don't don't go along with that for a second. There's got to be a kind of a frosty disrespect between the referee and the players. Mm. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So to to touch on the game itself, as we say, it's a big upset. And it a the big upset. Two...
2: I, I had I had I know, I...
0: coming in as as kind of like you know in that sort of way where we like to be at times, like the dark That's horse. True.
2: Yeah. I think I kind of went to the I think maybe quite confident Ireland might win. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think maybe it felt like an upset because it was the only real upset in this World mm. Cup. Yeah. You can make an argument for Argentina beating Scotland, yeah. but really that was a very level contest. I'm about to burp. I apologize for that. But, there you go. I did it nice. out loud. I didn't hold it.
2: In. Um, Thank
1: you. And whereas this one, I think, was slightly more weighted towards Australia, but say, maybe calling it a big upset is unfair. It's just we didn't really get one in this way in the
2: World Cup. Yeah, other than France, Tonga. Yeah. Like,
0: oh yeah, that's true. I remember um, in in this one, looking at Australia before the game and thinking, mm. Do you know, we can be- we can beat these guys like. You know, but they had a, they had a whole lot of talent. Like, as in I remember yeah. looking at their halfbacks, like, you know, Quade Cooper and, you know, Will Genny. I remember even, like, even just Quade Cooper at the time was just this kind of, this weird mix between, like, kind of Vin Diesel and Carlos Spencer. Like, as in, he was just, had this unbelievable way of playing the game. And there was just something so exciting about this Australian team. I mean, James O'Connor hmm. playing on the wing. And, yeah. like, yeah. What, is it 10 now?
2: yeah. I think yeah.
0: if, if you let him play long enough like in 10 years time he might end up being a hooker like he's just, like he's <laughs> just such a versatile dude yeah
1: yeah can you imagine him being a hooker but still keeping the Justin Bieber haircut
0: I think that I I think that I'd like to see a hooker rocking that I think I think the hooker if anybody in the forwards could get away with it probably it would be the hooker
2: that's true that's true the shame the way the game's going Europe. yeah
1: Dmitry Zazesky yeah there's there's history of it yeah I also like the thought of the next Fast and Furious replacing The Rock with Carlos Spencer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Basically, that Australia backline is almost interchangeable because, like, you've got Beale, O'Connor, Ashton Cooper yeah. can all play any position in the backline. You know, you got Anthony Faienga and Pat McCabe in the centres. Who, yeah,
1: McCabe can play fullback.
2: Yeah, true. And on the
1: pa- <laughs> Anthony Faienga can't really play rugby, yeah. according to this World Cup. So,
2: <laughs> he's yeah.
0: And plus, when you look at currently Beal, like. He's a guy, he was in just, I remember when the, the, the Lions toured Australia. I'm not sure when it was. I think it was relatively close to 2011. Yeah, um, 15. Yeah, it, it was the next one after this. Kirkley Beale was so dangerous. And you look, you look at a lot of these guys in that Australian backline, yeah. you're thinking. Unreal. Yeah, backline, there's a lot of quality mm. players there. When I was looking, I was looking at their pack and looking at their back five. Mm. And I was looking mm. at Rocky Elsom, a guy who, you know, had a very yeah. recent experience of seeing Rocky Elsom up close and personal playing for Leinster. And you know there was a kind of a feeling though with the, the, the selection that we had in our in our pack and, and back five in particular that we maybe would have enough for these guys maybe and maybe enough to, to kind of to, to, to sneak the win that we ultimately did.
1: Mm. There's one moment in that first half where the full Australian backline really gets going. where it's kind of, you know, Curtly Beal makes a bit of a break and everyone's sort of offloading to each other and the next one's always on hand and you've got Quaid Cooper throwing mad passes and so on. And they are one pass, I think the last pass would have been to O'Connor, away from that finishing and that being a glorious try. And it, it doesn't quite stick, but... They were so good to watch. And even in games where they weren't quite firing or where there was a really good defense against them, they were so talented. And as you say, they were. Because they were basically interchangeable, everyone had handling skills, everyone linked up. Both of those wingers, you know, could play centre or fullback. You know, one of them's played 10. But both of them, according to the commentary as well, can kick goals. They, at one point, uh, I don't know if you listened to the Kiwi commentary, but they talk about Adam Ashley Cooper being a goal kicking option as well, which I I never knew.
2: Mm.
1: But yeah, it's. It, it's such a good and well-rounded backline yeah. in as much as all the players are fully-rounded, complete-ish rugby players.
2: And such broken field runners as well. Like As soon as they get a bit yeah. of a sniff of line break, they are scoring. And the Irish offence was so good in this game, they never really looked like scoring. There was that one opportunity you were just on about, and there's another one where in the second half, Quade Cooper saw a bit of a gap and then tried to flick it out the back and it yeah. ended up being a forward pass. They were basically the only two opportunities where Australia really looked like but- they might threaten the line.
1: There's a few though where they get something going. you yeah. say, it doesn't look like they're going to finish it, but it's a really good opportunity. And it's also there's two or three moments in which I've just got curtly in all caps written in my my <laughs> own in my notes. Uh, one of which being that he he regathers kind of a loose ball on the floor and immediately goes to stab through this lovely little yeah. brother behind yeah. the fullback, yeah. which is it, so in audacious me. in a way. Mm that only Kurtley Beale does it, and he did the same thing against Wales in the Millennium yeah. Stadium the year earlier, and scored off it. And I just, I love watching Kurtley Beale because of that, because he's skillful enough to get away with doing mad yeah, things. He's a, a maverick.
0: And like, mm. when you look at there, I mean, like, more than a bit. You look, you look at Quay Cooper there too with Kurtley Beale. Like that's almost like having two tens, two fullbacks two kind of outside centers, like they're so versatile mm. player. Like as then you look at Quay Cooper and you go, look, there's certain aspects of his game where he might be a little bit incomplete as a top-end player. But when it comes to his ability to kind of, to make a small moment in a game that just mm. smashes it open, Cooper, with the likes of Beal, and, and like, and you know, you throw in Ashley Cooper and O'Connor as well, and never mind the yeah. midfield. Like, they had that ability and I remember thinking before the game about how, like, those guys can make something happen. They, like, as in you, could be, you could be beating these guys all over the place and they, they will still be able to create something yeah. in an instant that can get them right back into the game. And it's like, yeah. and it's just, they had that skill set that I think you always associated with Australian rugby, that that backline was almost sort of, you would look at it as being kind of like representative of what you think Australia rugby is. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And it probably says a lot that Drew Mitchell on the bench... And Digby Buwani out for what I can only assume is an injury, because such a hmm. good player. That the depth they have in that backline. Luke Burgess on the bench as well as somebody who barely got any game time. Blooming good player.
0: Yeah. And was it at the so, time that their coach Robbie Deans is like? Was he? I, I think is he, He's a he's a New Zealander. Was yeah. there a kind of a? Was there a bit of kind of hassle amongst the sort of the the yeah. uh, like, you know, be going public that? Akibi like was coaching them because like, I remember I I remember around that time hearing a few Australian like people who I knew kind of giving out about it.
1: Yeah, I remember it being a bit of an issue when he first got the job, and then he did a really good job at first. And suddenly they you know they they beat the All Blacks in that famous game in Hong Kong, and they were pulling off really good results. And I think it was kind of forgotten a bit. And then it was around this World Cup when he he dropped Matt Gitto. and Matt Gitto sends that tweet saying. What was it? Thank F- you, ball boys. Thank you, linesmen, and nobody else. Um, <laughs> after he got dropped, and then from there, I think I think that someone else got dropped as well, like in quite questionable circumstances, and they lost the Samoa, and things started to turn a bit. And I remember Quay Cooper saying it was top. The atmosphere was toxic, and everything just kind of going straight downhill from there. Uh, not even downhill, not even downhill. Just a vertical drop, you know, like, yeah, like, like oblivion. A, like walking the platform,
0: um, and then it's just down into yeah. Hit their spikes and stuff down there. But like when I yeah. when I think of this game in particular, though, like again, there was sort of you mentioned it there, like is in that it was like the, the biggest Irish result in the World Cup up until, up, up until this point. Hmm. I, I think it's actually it's it's very close to there because this mm-hmm. when I, when, you, when I remember looking at this group beforehand. And, you know, you look at Italy, the the US and Russia, Like, in a lot of people, like our broadcasters here at the time were making quite a big deal over the Italy game. You know, that it was like that there's a Mm. real danger here that Ireland could end up, you know, losing this one. And, and, you know, like the Italian game, never mind the Australian game. We were thinking about finishing in the top two and that Italy would be a big obstacle. Um, But when you look at this Australian game, it was second up. So I mean, it wasn't even one of those ones where you were, you know, basically plotting the whole pool to, to get to this game. And there was just this real, a real feeling that, it, like, like that with the team that we had, and you can see the team that we named, like, mm. that we, sh- as in, there's no reason why we can't win this game with the with the talent yeah. and with the experience that's in there. Like, because you mentioned the, the like the the defense that we had. You look at the midfield, mm. like you had Odrisklund and 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 Darcy, two guys massively experienced. and would have a lot of, I suppose, they they would have seen this Australian Australian team a a fair few times in the build-up to this. They had a lot of experience all over the world and it's just like, I think that this result, I think, kind of showed what we could do and made the loss to Wales then subsequently all the more disappointing. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think yeah. that as well, you're at full strength and there's a real sense of cohesion to this Irish team that they all understand each other. I think the only player that you really had missing was probably David Wallace. And At that point, you'd managed to blood in Sean O'Brien to fill his place. And that's worked out, hasn't it? So,
0: Yeah, it was yeah. honestly David Wallace getting injured uh, in the warm-up against England. Um, was just a sickener because, like I said yeah. what a player David Wallace mm. was, and you know that was a guy who you felt that one for him because yeah.
2: that, he was quite was like, about a, in pain as well. It's a hard oh, man. Yeah,
0: that 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 like um, that that was almost the worst part of it. But when you look at yeah. the guys who we brought in that back, like 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 that back mm. row, I mean, you just look at the names now, like slip O'Brien, Ferris. I mean, that could have like that could be a Lions back row yeah. star. You know, like. Isn't it? You, do you know what I mean? Like, unbelievable players there. And, do you know what? You'd fancy it. I mean, when you look at, the, at the, the Australian back row now, you think, oh, there's some good guys there. Like, Rocky Elsom's a guy... I remember thinking Radiki Samo was like, an unbelievable player as well.
1: Yeah. But yeah.
0: I thought, he Slip O'Brien Ferris. That's a very strong back row. a good unit, in it? Yeah.
1: Well, so, Australia, they went into this, this game with a really bold strategy. talking about the back row of they named a 14 of really talented players and then they also oh, 13 of anthony fanger and then they also went with a really a player had a really specific talent in the way you know we're talking about a lot of the backline being multifaceted and having a load of really interesting skills because the only thing that ben mccalman the flanker seemed to bring to the table was the fact they had this one remarkable skill which is the ability ability to turn invisible So he could at any point turn himself invisible during a game and you wouldn't notice he was on the pitch. That was just, that was like his one real talent was that he would disappear from sight completely during matches.
0: I was actually, when I was looking at this, because I went and I just checked up a lot of the players Mm. and he's got something like 54 Australian caps. (laughs) I can't really, and and the thing is, not as respected a guy. I, I can't really remember much of, of what he what what he did in those games.
2: That
1: that was exactly it. I when I I heard his name in commentary because Grant Nisbet said Ben McCallman haven't said his name much in the last <laughs> ten minutes. And I was like, Ben McAl I know that name, who's Ben McAlman? And I went and checked the team and he was starting at seven. And just how, what's, how do you, how do you not notice a seven? How do you, how does this, what, what happened? Who was he? And to say, because I completely forgot about a guy who won 50 caps. The, his most recent game was three years. He played in 2017.
0: Really? For He's the Yeah. What? I, I think it could be a case that he was a guy at the time uh, who kind of was, you know, maybe pulling up trees as as a younger player. He, I mean, Hmm. he only got his debut the year before. So you look at that and you go, well, look that I I can see a kind of a reason why he would be, you know, because I think I associate Australian rugby a lot with kind of getting younger players into their team quite quickly. And sometimes they come up and disappear. But you look at a guy like that and you think, I remember watching the game and it just seemed to pass him by that. Like, I know he wasn't mentioned the whole load in it, but like. It just, it just seemed like a non-factor in that game, and like I've been that guy. <laughs> Do you know where there's a game, yeah, going? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're on the field, but just like I may as well be sitting in the stands watching this. I'm supposed to be in the middle yeah, of all this. <laughs> but I, it's just, same by which I mean, I've played on the wing. Yeah, it's it's, it's going <laughs> away. From, like, is in it's like I have I've had no influence yeah. on what's going on here. I'm not going to have an influence. To be honest, I think I'd be better off yeah. just. I'm just going to sail over here. And if the ball comes near me, I'm gonna yeah. do my best. <laughs> but it just seemed like the game just evaded him completely. Yeah,
2: it's one and of I mean, those days. We have
0: two of those days. I mean the likes of Sean O'Brien coming up to, to, like directly against this dude. Yeah. Stephen Ferris. Like again, who again we're not we're not fully sure if, if Stephen Ferris is, is fully human. You, you look at this and you go, That's a that's a tough gig to be popped in next to the likes of these guys. The likes of Ferris, O'Brien, and He said these guys head cases like, you know, especially yeah. O'Brien and Ferris. It's a tough gig. <laughs> and it's yeah. not something that I think when you look at a guy like him, I mean, Rocky Elsom is a guy, big reputation, you know. He, he didn't play all that great in this game either. But like you look at, you know, the, the, that back row, I think, has got a very big argument of being one of the best that Ireland have ever put out. If you just Definitely. look at yeah. individual ability and what they may bring to a sort of a, a, a unit.
2: Yeah, definitely. We'll touch on Stephen Ferris, actually, because there's, I think, really the turning point of the game. Ireland didn't capitalise on it, necessarily, but the point where Wilgenio at the back of the scrum picks the ball up, and then Stephen Ferris, in turn, picks Will Genier up. And of course, the, the phrase the commentator used was that Stephen Ferris picks up Wilgenio like a rag doll, and he carries him back 10 yards, and Ireland get the pus into the scrum immediately. They didn't actually score from it, but at that point, I think you just kind of knew that the Ireland pack had the better of the
0: Wallabies. Yeah, it's one of those moments where you kind of... you. As a as a as a player for the Australians, looking at that, you have to imagine you're looking at like if that happens. You're thinking we're in for a tough second half here. Yeah, that's one of those ones where, like, especially with Ferris, because like Ferris, I think is one of those guys. He's so powerful and so like like his physique, his like built for rugby, like you know, mm. and so unfortunate that he had to retire so early. But like, like it's, and he was just so powerful for his his size and so athletic, you want, that's that like, your, your guys like that in the field, you want them making big statements like that in that game. I'm, I'm, I I still remember yeah. like, his, he was grabbing Gennie up like, like if there was a young lad, he's trying to escape getting into the bat. Um, <laughs> just like that, driving him forward as if he was going to throw him into the bat. But then you look at, he's got his hand clamped over the ball as well. So it's not going to rub a duck. It's like, you kind of getting kind of an idea of Wilgenia where you've kind of had that kind of record scratch thing halfway through and thinking you might be wondering how I ended up in this situation like, I was a little bit slow taking the ball out of a scrum <laughs> and got absolutely just driven back and nobody wants to be on those highlight moments but that was a big highlight moment <laughs> in the World Cup from an Irish perspective just Stephen Ferris I can think of a, of a guy I'd rather play against least than Stephen Ferris and I'm coming up blank on a lot of names like Ooh. he's just unbelievably powerful
1: yeah i mean i mean bryce Heem, because i don't really <laughs> want to catch the coronavirus but that's about it
0: joe marler because I, I i don't really want him <laughs> having the crack with yeah. me but, you know what, what I, don't want
1: <laughs> I value my testicles uh <laughs> yeah. which is a that's a clip that's gonna be taken out of context isn't it yeah. um no way that's <laughs> happening <laughs> Uh, the other thing about that moment as well is that Will Genia is the voice of reason in the Australia backline.
0: Yeah,
1: that they're all just mad blokes. You know, it's it's Quade Cooper. It's literally Curtly Beale, It's James O'Connor, like and young James O'Connor, who was more of a maverick than he is yeah. these days. I think uh, when he was kind of freakishly talented, just a to...
0: fantastic nickname for him. <laughs> yeah, like literally Curtly Beale. That could be his autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah.
1: Unfortunately, Curtly Um, or or fortunately. Uh mixed fortunes, Curtly Beale. Uh that sums his entire career up. But yeah, Genia was kinda of the guy who kept Quaid on his leash. You know, he was the guy kind of putting the collar on all the other players and walking them gently. A bit like that meme Glove did of with Greg Laidlaw with Finn Russell and Adam Hastings.
0: Um I tell you yeah, what he was with Willie Genia... I look at him, and I remember my memory of Will Genia at the time. Because you know, when you you go back a number of years, you kind of you're just trying to remember what your thoughts were about certain guys. And Will Genia, he was one of those guys in the Australian team where you're just like, he's a top player, like he's a world class top end player. Yeah. And there was always a worry about what Will Genia would do, like. Mm. And. Coming into that game, it was a big, you know, like Will Genia was a big as much of a focus as the rest of them. I know he's the guy who's kind of going, "All right, lads, let's calm down. We're all, we're only all off for a quiet night here on the night out." That's Will Genia. But when you look at his his ability to, yeah. I suppose, massively influence a game from nine, which not like I mean, that's not something that every nine can do. Will Genia is a guy mm. for me always, and like isn't he was still playing up until relatively recently? I remember when he signed for Stade Francais and thinking. Hmm. Jeez, they've got a top player there like Stad Francais like I, I'd be looking looking at them to see what they did and ultimately didn't really work for him but like it's I, I think he's a guy he's still, he's still only 32 like that he was a fella who was just a real top end player for Australia and, and one of the reasons again why I was kind of seesawing on this game thinking there's no reason why we shouldn't win yeah. it but at the same time Will Genia, Quay Cooper like quality
1: yeah. And it's funny you mention him being like the quiet lad on the night out when his rival for the nine shirt in most of his Australia career was Nick Phipps, who famously at least twice pissed on a bar whilst drunk.
0: Who hasn't done that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know, like standing on standing on top of the bar and pissing is one of those things that's like we've all we've all had a nice time, you know, we've all had nights in which we went slightly too far but standing on top of the bar and pissing takes a special breed.
0: That that kicks the night off into something that's going <laughs> to either go incredibly hilarious or somebody's going to end up behind bars. I think if it's at the or point both. where you're, where you're, where you're actually actively pissing on the bar, that's kind of one of those ones where, OK, we're either all going to go back to the hotel and this is going to be great or we're going to have to bail somebody out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And how does he even get to that point? Like, how does he climb on top of the bar, have a moment in which he unzips, and no one's got him down and stopped him before he can... And, like, I I don't want to go into mechanics too much, but, like, is there a moment in which he stops and has to, like, ready gather himself before he
2: begins? This is the analysis we got you on for, Tom. (laughs) Yes. I've nicked down as one of those people that the rest of the team can basically just make him do anything because they look down on him so heavily on Mm. rugby respect. That he feels really insecure and like, no, that would do anything to you know gain the respect of Kirtley Beal and James O'Connor.
0: I just no, think I that th- there's an incredibly uncomfortable moment where you're somebody who's in range to stop him from doing it. And you make eye contact, uh, eye contact with him right as he's about to unzip. And in that moment, you're either going to, well, I'm going to jump up and stop you there now, Nick, and stop you from doing this or you're just going to just watch him doing it while making eye, con- eye contact with him. I think it's just a very <laughs> uncomfortable situation for the guy who's in that radius. And I would like to think that it was Ben McCalman looking up and <laughs> going, you know what, Nick, I'm just going to sit this one out. And he did the same then for the, for the Australian-Ireland game because it was cool. He, he began... <laughs>
1: Nick Phillips begins peeing and for some reason it's just hitting some invisible object and dropping down. He can't work out like the trajectory of his piss (laughs) (laughs) until he kind of walks over and starts feeling it. And Ben McCallman's turned invisible because it happens whenever he's scared. And it happened in this match when he saw Stephen Ferris (laughs) pre-match and kind of went, oh, shit, lads. No, he's gone. He's invisible. Ben's disappeared.
2: This is where we find out that the Australian fines committee was Ben McCalman and Anthony Feinger. and therefore just people could just do yeah. what they want on a night out. Yeah. yeah,
0: I tell you though, you look at like the like again Sean O'Brien and Stephen Ferris again, like you like very good players across, and then you look at the Welsh back row coming up on that in that, mm-hmm. um, that quarter final again, again. Unbelievable players there as well, like, you know, Warburton and Lydiot and, and Falatow. Again, I think Warburton could still be playing Lydiot and, and Falatow, certainly are as well. But again, you look at that Australian back row, and now you can kind of go, well, yeah, I can see what Ireland won that game. That Ireland's back yeah. five in that game with yeah. O'Connell and O'Callaghan as well. That yes. is, again, Hefty. it's oh, and it stacks up well.
1: There's a great moment of just sheer niggle with Donico O'Callaghan that I loved where he at one point races in like the moment Genni picks the ball up from you know a few meters away and grabs him by the by the ankles just kind of wraps around like doesn't really make an impact but stops him moving and then he just hangs on to him for as you know a solid few seconds past the ruck being set up and just clings on just clings on and Genni is turning to the referee pointing to him and the referee just kind of gestures to like well you can just step out of it. You know, you can just get on with it. He's not really doing anything. He's just lying there being slightly annoying. And that was kind of what O'Callaghan did. You know, he kind of made a career out of being slightly annoying.
0: He, I, I, like, you look, you look at Dunnock O'Callaghan, like he's in, and I went through a period there a couple of years ago where I think it was three weekends in a row, I was parked mm. in the same parking building as Dunnock O'Callaghan in Cork, where you walk in <laughs> and nice. there's Dunnock O'Callaghan going to his car again. And you're just like, there's Dunnock O'Callaghan. And it's like, you go back then the next week, there's Zinnik O'Callaghan again. It's like, are we on a loop? Are we on a <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you have any and, mundane details about like what kind of air freshener he had or anything like that?
0: Uh, well, he had a nice car and uh, he always had a really good tan. His mm-hmm. tan game was always really good. And, and even when he, not just when he was playing, when he was out and about <laughs> shopping around in Cork City, great tan. And was I he
2: always to- wearing shorts? Hmm? Was he always wearing his shorts? No, and he
0: he was kind of... Was 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 he ripping
1: them off in the style of that that match and trying to play without them? Yeah.
0: Apparently, he doesn't like that at all. (laughs) He's a a guy like he's got a great sense of humour. He presents radio over here now. Um, Okay. But he, you know, I think it was brought up before and he doesn't actually like it about the whole red underpants thing. And it was just like, he was just eager to play. And no, no, you must have shorts when you play. Um, But it was like, (laughs) he's a guy who is just unbelievably sound like as in yeah. whenever I've met him like I've met him twice and he was because there was the guys in the car park where you just sort of like you know when you kind of you notice the person that you've noticed before like yeah, it's a bit yeah. like when you kind of bump into a friend of yours in the supermarket and then when you kind of go okay well look we'll see you later and then you meet them again a couple of few hours later yeah <laughs> you're just kind of like lifting your eyebrows Ellen. <laughs> here we are and um, it was a bit like that I,
1: I had that I had that quite recently with someone I used to work with who was legally registered as blind. They're, you know, they're they're partially sighted, but it was, you know, that lovely person and lovely to run into them again. But it was quite useful in that next instance to know that they hadn't seen that we'd just done that awkward thing. Um, that's not as funny a story as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I thought that was a funny thing, uh, and I've just realised actually that doesn't. I don't come out of that well. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, never mind. Um, speak, no, that person,
2: that person, Ben McCallman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always get the impression watching Lions DVDs and stuff that I always really liked Donico Callaghan. And I always got the impression he's really sound bloke. He's one of those people that I think watching back how he was on the tour, just like as a tourist, I suppose, is what I'm saying, is what gave him the midweek captaincy in the 09 Lions tour.
0: Like he's a guy who sometimes when you look at, because, you know, like, whenever I've been abroad, like, and, you know, people know I'm a, a monster supporter or whatever. Like, they they, ratt- they rattle off the names. Like, O'Gara, O'Connell, all these guys. And O'Callaghan, I suppose, I think if it wasn't for O'Connell, he'd be looked at in much greater terms, I suppose, than what he is. Like, as in, he's, he's a test lion. Um, He's won a Grand Slam. He's won Heineken Cups. He played until he was, like... Well, in very, very late, in, late on into his career, he had a massive yeah. amount of caps, and like, as in, he ended up captaining captaining Worcester, I think, towards the, after he left Munster. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I just think he's a quality player, a guy who yeah. just did the basics incredibly well. As in, yeah. his jumping at the front of the lineup was incredibly good. He could take the top off the ball very well. There, a guy, good, great work rate in defence. His fitness and professionalism and preparation. Like he doesn't he doesn't drink at all. And has never drank. He is a guy who (laughs) maximised absolutely everything about himself, I'd say. And like in that regard he's a huge example, I suppose, to any sort of professional at all as to how to get the absolute most out of your career. Don't go Callane.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it, because he's often just thought of as Paul O'Connell's mate when he was such a serious player and similar like you know it's the same thing Gordon Darcy had to deal with the whole way of being Brian O'Driscoll's mate and you know like to an extent Backy's boater had it not been maybe he just started doing all the discipline to stand out so that he didn't fall into that trap of being Victor Matfield's mate
0: That's (laughs) sometimes
1: that happens with like really established combinations
0: so tell you what though add Backy's bota to the list of the fellas you'd never ever want to play against yes yes God in heaven yeah
2: Oh,
1: t-
0: top of the list, frankly. He's, like a, he's um, like a Bond villain, but he just plays in the second row. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a similar calling, I think. Like Bond, perhaps
2: like henchmen and second, and South African second row. If you made a fifteen of Bond villains, I'm pretty sure they'd all play second row. Yeah,
0: Jaws like, would be in the second row.
1: Wait, <laughs> odd Jaw would be the hooker. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of the exception that proves the rule, isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, oh no! Javier Bardem has two caps for Spain. Does he? And Has been a Bond villain? Yeah. Javier Bardem played back row for Spain. No, he's the only person. Yeah, yeah. He's the only person to ever play international rugby and win an Oscar.
2: What a coincidence that is brought oh, that brought
1: that up. Yeah, <laughs> that's mad. And he and he's a Bond villain. Yeah.
0: He oh also, my god.
1: Yeah, he said something like uh, being a rugby player in Spain's like being a matador in. Island, you know, he then named some other country. Um, and literally, the word island is in front of me right now. <laughs> so that came to mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he loved rugby for a long time. And then he sort of gave it up to focus on his acting career. That's incredible. Which went okay for him, I think. You know, yeah. I think in the end, that worked out.
0: Goldfinger would be the director of rugby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh. Jake White would also be in the running for that job, but ultimately, yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, Gary Blofeld Goldfinger. at 10. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Blofeld at 10.
0: <laughs> I would look at... Yeah, like, I think Jaws have been a second role. Look, I I, I can't get into this because I'm only going to be thinking about like is in a James Bond 15 of James Bond villains. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is just- a
2: film podcast, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's been remarkably light on the film chat today. We sometimes so talk about rugby, but... Yeah, rugby's optional. Yeah. Rugby's optional. So I came up with a game that is not James Bond related. Okay. Okay. I don't know if either of you listened to Grant Nisbet's commentary on this game. Sure did. You did. Okay. Now, I <laughs> have always had a, um, my thoughts of Grant Nisbet as a commentator. You know, perfectly good voice, perf- calls the game, etc. But he does have this habit of whenever he commentates on a team that isn't the All Blacks, or sometimes Australia, maybe the Springboks, depending on the year, he has a habit of always looking down at his team sheet and you can sort of hear him calling. And that's a great break by Bo and then kind of glancing back up. You know, he's not that familiar with Northern Hemisphere rugby. He doesn't follow it. You know, during that like 2007 or the final in this year in the 2011 World Cup, you could hear him constantly looking down and going "Deux et toi," and then he'd pause and he'd look down again a minute later to say who made the next tackle. And it was still "Deux toi." <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a bit like and a bad, it it's a bit like bad name announcement in those rugby old rugby games. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. And, uh, there, uh, there was one I always remember from was it two thousand and eight or before it, uh, where the, it was for Ben Cohen. 'cause he was like one of the best players mm. in this game whenever whichever version yeah. of the game it was. And like whenever he'd get the ball, it'd be just like Carwin And it would be in that tone <laughs> all the time, regardless of where he got the ball or how it was like great tackle by Carwin. It feels like this guy commentating does it's kind of the same thing because he has to sort of look and go. And that's a great great bit of work there by Johnny <laughs> Sex. I'm not sure how you pronounce this.
2: <laughs> it's just a marshal for help. No, on the uh, 2011 yeah. Rugby World Cup game, which me and Robbie still play pretty much 80% of yeah. the time we're together, we're playing that game. But um, for Vincent Claire's name on there, they just they didn't bother recording it. And they just have the word clear for like when a player is, is clear. And they just have that line of commentary. <laughs> and for Jacques Ferry, they have free as well. It's funny you should mention Vincent
1: Claire. Because the year before this, the 2010 IRB Try of the Year, I might have been actually early in that, it might have been 2009, uh, about this period anyway, the Try of the Year was given to Cedric Haymore, but it was Grant Nisbet commentating, and the whole way he is shouting, what a run by Van Clair, <laughs> Vincent Clair, and it's not Vincent Clair. Like, he's not the player scoring this brilliant try. And that was the Try of the Year, and all the official clips have it being awarded to the wrong player on the commentary, because that was Grant Nisbet.
0: Um, I, 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 I've however, done commentary and I used to have a I used to be kind of like have a a healthy disrespect for guys making mistakes on commentary until I did commentary myself on the radio and you become extremely aware that you are live on the radio or whatever to however however many people are listening and it's not like a podcast where if you mess up you can just pause and, and, and you know go back and re- redo it you're live and I must have sworn, I don't know how many times on this radio broadcast, on the monster game that I was commentating on, where I thought it was off air and people could see, we, we, we could hear you saying, oh shit, off the <laughs> on the mic. <laughs> but on this one, oh, no. on this one <laughs> so I have a lot of uh, respect for the co-coms and the guys doing commentary now because I've been that guy. And it's, it's like, it's... it's I know people say I talk a lot of bollocks anyway but when you've got a live mic in front of your face the urge to talk bollocks it's just, it's, it just comes out oh, of you yeah. I remember I said uh, one line during it uh, that where <laughs> I'm not sure who scored the opposition scored anyway and I was just like uh, Munster won't be very happy with that and it's was just like oh really <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you won't be very happy having conceded a try great good one <laughs>
1: I remember doing, when I was in uni, I did the the coverage of our varsity, which I didn't go to Oxford or Cambridge, you know, I went to the University of Derby, and our varsity was a very low-key affair. But one year, we decided to try and live stream and make a big deal out of it. So basically, they would throw over to an event, and we'd have, like, sports journalism-type students kind of commentating on it. And then for some reason, had me and, and um, you know, my friend who I'd done stuff with. <laughs> that couldn't mean anything. <coughs> but we were sort of presenting it, and, like, I remember... As you say, just that overwhelming urge to talk bollocks when they go, Okay, we've got half an hour. We need you to just fill. Then we'll throw into the badminton. And after about 10 minutes, you get slightly tired and you start to run out of things to say. And there's only so many times they can throw up the scores until I remember. And I don't know why this is the bit that stuck with me. And you just saying that there reminded me of this. It came back in like a cold sweat that I caught myself saying that we're going over to badminton and I realised we still had like a minute before we went over. So I just said, what a game, badminton, (laughs) what a game. And then just began to fill from there and try and describe what badminton was to beginners. If you've never seen badminton, because badminton was the only thing Darby was good at. So there was a um again they brought me back in the year after I graduated by which point I started to do rugby and it wasn't it hadn't properly taken off by now but like I'd had the Conor Murray video and I think it was just for the Sam Warburton one so like it had grown to a quite a level you know um, but it was a cult thing rather than being whatever it is I don't even know what it is now and it was they they asked me if I could come back in and do some of the stuff and there was one of the comments when they went to the live feed of the rugby where it just said. Like, why have, have you brought Squid Rugby up and not had him cover the rugby? And people saying, like, what does this mean? What's Squid Rugby? Because none of them had any idea, kind of... They knew me as the idiot we got in when he was in second year, rather than understand the game and very, very funny.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you say you have a game prepared for us? Yeah, I had a game prepared for us. Sure. Right, okay. <laughs> so, I started a box out in the side of my notes. Now, regular listeners may be aware... I've been covering how many times Nottingham-born commentator Martin Gilliam mentions Nottingham over the course of this World Cup. I think we're currently at 14 over four games. This is a new category called Names Grant Nisbet Gets Wrong. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm going to read you a name and I want you to tell me whether that is a name he called the player or one I've just made up. Okay? Okay. How
2: are we doing this? Are doing this competitively, taking it in turns?
1: What do you think? What do you want to do? Do you want to work as a team? Discuss it? Or do you want to compete for this? There is no prize.
0: If there's, there's no, no prize, team. I don't want to fight over it. Okay. I, don't, I don't want to fight you, Will.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the first person to ever say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no stand up and fight.
0: Uh, no, that's just oh, a... I, I, I just think I'm a, I'm a little bit too tired for setting up today. I'll just sit down and just take it easy. <laughs>
2: It's not quite... (laughs) Sit down and take it easy till
0: you hear the bell.
1: Oh man. Okay, we'll we'll work together. toe in slipper. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah, we'll work as a team. Okay, okay. The referee for this game was, of course, Bryce Lawrence. Did Grant Nisbet call him Keith Lawrence three times?
2: (laughs) Yes, he did, I'm going to say. he did, yes. Yeah, he did (laughs) at least once. So, um, yeah, I'm willing to go with that.
1: He called him... Keith Lawrence three times. Apparently, Keith is his dad's name. New Zealand's a small country, mate. I don't know. Okay, next one. Patrick O'Connell, Island, second row.
0: Patrick O'Connell. Uh, part of me is thinking that that's almost too cliched for him to actually have said.
2: Yeah, I think O'Connell's one of the three players he will have heard of.
0: Because again, this is one of the things when you go down to New Zealand and you speak to people down there, you get a real straightener pretty quickly as to how many Irish players they know, and it is not many. So I think, yeah, I would know think- that that is not true. I think he would know Paul O'Connell.
2: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely spot on so far. Two
1: out of two. It does remind me of sitting next to a Kiwi fan in the 2015 World Cup. Oh yes, and him listing Stephen Jones as being like a really obscure hipster player, like the you know the incumbent Wales ten for the last how many the years <laughs> as a real like, hipster You're player that he product, knew that he was a big guy. fan of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Next one, Rodney Heaslip. Rodney Heaslip. That's... Rodney Heaslip did Grant Nisbet at one-point call the island number eight, Rodney Heaslip.
0: Well, you look at Jamie Heaslip, you go, there's a there's a, an an E at the end of his first name. Oh, but he's probably one of the owners of one of the greatest tweets ever. Jamie Heaslip has with his podcast tweet. Want yeah. to start a podcast? No.
2: That's why we didn't ask anybody if we should start a podcast.
0: We just went with yeah. it.
2: <laughs> no, we only asked Jamie Heaslip.
0: <laughs> I think that, I think it's actually quite possible. I think it's possible. Yeah, I don't know. like is in, because I remember with Jamie Heeslip in New Zealand, he did give an old, you know, because for a while he here he was called Jamie Kneeslip because he, he drove, uh, you know, that, that knee into the back of uh, Macaw. So I think maybe he's got a bit mm. of an
2: accident.
0: Um yeah. so I'm thinking that he did call him Rodney. Hieslip. I'm willing to go with you on that. Yeah.
1: You're absolutely spot on. Rodney yeah. Heaslip was Rodney <laughs> Heaslip. Exactly what Grant Nisbet called him. Rodney, <laughs> Rodney. So I googled Rodney Heaslip, and it comes. So it comes up with a a man from New Zealand who died in 2014, age 53. So I don't know if it's just he had a friend called mm. Rodney Heaslip, and he maybe and he, he knew him. He, yeah, he he R. knew R. Rodney Healy and he went. Well, now he's a yeah. Now he's a now he's a number eight for Ireland. I guess that makes sense that my friend is now playing international rugby.
0: I when I listened to this game, I was listening to it with the RTE um, commentary on it, uh, Hugh Cahill and Don mm. Lennon. I told you this, I think, on my old podcast, but I'm going to mention it here again about how one mm. way of where I get completely unbig timed when I was commentating mm. on a rugby game in Musgrave Park and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and I was thinking, oh, it's a fan coming to give me a, you know, looking for an autograph or something or a photo because somebody has asked me to do that before. So I was just like, oh, brilliant. So I turned around and it turns out he was just leaning on me to get to Donal Lenahan, who played for the Lions, for the Lions <laughs> and was just literally using me as a stand so he could easily put that in his face to, to, to sign it. My God. Like I said, like said, I thought, oh, you thought you had a fan and it's just like, no, no, he just, he was using it as a guardrail.
1: I had when I was in. It was the worst Bar Bars game last year, and I'd had Will was there as well with me.
2: Yeah. But
1: we'd had a, I would say a number of people had asked me for photos and asked, yeah, yeah, so yeah. like what I did and so on. Um, you
2: are you are underselling that. Literally, I went to the toilet. You waited outside for me for you know a minute. I came back and there was a queue of people waiting to meet you. <laughs> it just happened in Cork
0: with me. I was in. I was in my. I was in my hometown. And there was a dude in the bar that we were at. He's just yeah. like, "Oh, you played rugby," and I was just like, <laughs> "What?"
1: <laughs> yeah, and I did. I said to him, "Like, do you know the Three Red Kings? Do you know that?" And he was like, no. "I think I've heard of them." <laughs> I was like, no, "No, no, you want to meet him? He's more interesting." <laughs> he's
2: like, <laughs> the biggest kick in the team—he's he's local for that Wales Barbar's game—was when somebody asked for a photo with you and asked me to take it, and I was like, "Oh, you're joking?" <laughs> no, no, no. So there was a point. There was a point late on where
1: someone asked me for a photo, and they just wanted me to take a photo of them with their girlfriend <laughs> in the Millennium Stadium. And I, you know, I, I caught on qu- pretty quickly, but that very easily could have gone very badly after the yes. day I'd had. Yeah. I once saw this is just a, a a tangent on it, but one of the funniest things I've ever seen was a a couple like a, a couple of sightseeing in Nottingham for whatever reason, uh, asked for a photo outside the kind of big town hall, and. They asked some young person like, if they can take a photo with them, and the person just went and took it and went and took a selfie with them. <laughs> it was it was very funny. Anyway, speaking of very funny, did Gord what's Grand he called? Is Grand bit. Grand is Gordon is is I bit. did that exactly. <laughs> that. <laughs> I proved his point. Did he call the Australian ten Craig
2: Cooper? No, I think Craig Cooper's he was public enemy number one in New Zealand at this point. I think he was too big time to be known as craig
0: i i think that he could have misspoken and said Mm. craig cooper quite easily (laughs) because it's something that i have almost done on this very podcast (laughs) (laughs) i think it's possible just because it's an easy name to 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 slot in so i'm gonna i'm gonna fight will on this one okay
2: you're gonna stand up and fight
0: (laughs) i'm gonna sit down here i'm gonna fight on this computer it's i'm gonna say he (laughs) said it but he missed ball.
2: I've been overruled. Go on.
0: <laughs> okay, you're spot on, Tom. You're spot yes. on. <laughs> <laughs> that was...
1: He slipped up. He said Craig Cooper, then corrected himself to correct uh, as I didn't to Quade. <laughs> okay, did he just call the Irish winger Tom Bow? I real instead of Tommy, even Thomas John, just Tom Bow. Tom it's really uh, normally when he's picking a name, it's a Tom Bowler So there's
2: a. It seems like, a, it a seems like an off-brand yeah. ramble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom. Bo- the thing is, Tommy Bow rolls off the tongue so well. Hence Tommy Bow. Everybody <clears throat> in commentary says. So Tom Bow just seems unnatural.
0: Yeah, that 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 doesn't seem. I I would lean that that didn't happen. I would say yeah, because like, I think Tommy Bow. You know. Tommy Bo, it's fun to say. It's fun to remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he does indeed say Tom
1: Bo. He at one point just shouts, Tom And like, what are you doing? Tom <laughs> That just
0: sounds
2: As wrong. a bonus.
0: I just remembered, on the RTE commentary for this game is Hugh Cal, a guy right. who's still doing commentary for RTE for the rugby and stuff like that. During the, war- the warm-up to the last World Cup, uh, Ireland were playing at home against Italy. Hmm. And... I had a gimmick for years, well, not years, when Joey Carberry moved over to Munster um, about how he had always been from Munster and that he was just coming back to this place where he was born and raised. And just basically, it was a kind of a, a little irritant and it started off because it was so obviously fake that it must be funny. And it was just re- re- varying levels of humor, but it made it onto an RTE broadcast <laughs> when uh, <laughs> Cahill said, Munster's own Joey Carberry in the halfbacks live on air. And it was just like, this is the best crossover ever. <laughs> <laughs> did
1: you ever get to the bottom of that? Was it, were they buying into the joke or did they think is
0: actually <laughs> oh, bu- bu- buying into the joke? Yeah, <laughs>
2: I'm <sure>. glad <laughs> we had Cami black from the Scottish rugby podcast on, on here. He was saying that they managed to convince uh, a load of people that Nick Haining was an ex ballet professional yeah. when he first started playing for, for Scotland. And eventually Nick Haining had to come out and publicly like refute that information.
1: Because it I've ended up one, in like The Guardian and so on. I've, mm, go on. I've yeah. got
0: one thing for this as well, where I've been trying to make out that Josh van Fleer is a project player for many <laughs> years. And it's like, every single time I get it, I, I, you would think at this point that like, look, it is a, obviously it's a joke, but I still get yeah. people trying to earnestly correct me, kind of going, no, no, he's actually from Wicklow in in <laughs> Ar- It's like, yeah. no, he's from Johannesburg, where I am also from because I am South African as well. And it's just like, I will retire if that ever gets on RT or on any tv at, at that point I'm, i'll just close everything down and just be like, okay look i'm done
1: <laughs> i had this conversation watching the Ireland scotland game in a pub in japan That someone loudly went when he came off the bench oh josh van der Fleer, that famous irishman and i said yeah he was born in dublin <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he was like really adamant shouting me no he's not and i got up his wikipedia page and showed him,
0: yeah, he's born in Wicklow, as you say. It happened... Thankfully, the... I hadn't gotten to I... that yet, or it, it is in
2: In the australia <laughs> Italy game in the World Cup that we did the episode on, there was a point when, when the commentator said, oh, yeah, there's an Italian lying on the wrong side of the ball. And then the other commentator says, I think it was Phil Kearns, says, oh, no, it wasn't Italian, it was Paul Derbyshire. And then the other commentator then says, Paul Derbyshire, yeah. both of his parents born in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Is that it, like, his
1: grandma? so he... Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Absolutely. <laughs> what a turnout for the books that one is. <laughs> Phil Kearns being wrong. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll do two more questions quickly, Sure. and then we'll move on. Uh, Josh Horwell Does he call the Australian
0: lock Josh Horwell mm. I, could, I could see him doing that. No, well, no, I could see
2: him doing that.
0: Yeah, I could see. Him. I know he's the Australian captain. I think. Yeah, he's
2: newly I... the captain though, so I think he's still getting used to him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think, I think he, I think he did call him Josh. Yeah
1: you finally got one wrong. Oh. You've finally fallen into my cunning trap. I'm afraid. Clams. Damn. <laughs> yes. And last one. Did he call the Irish number 12, Gordon O'Darcy? Oh, sure. oh that
2: definitely happened. It that definitely is. happened.
1: <laughs> there is no word in
2: which that didn't happen.
1: <laughs> that happened. <Yeah. laughs> he called him Gordon O'Darcy. The best thing is that because the Darcy, the D, there's an apostrophe between the D and the A, so he's two apostrophes in a row. So he's O apostrophe, D apostrophe, RC.
0: Oh, but like there's guys, like one fella who was consistently called Tom Ass by a lot of like English commentators, Tomas (laughs) O'Leary, people (laughs) People calling him Tom Ass. And it's just like, lads, that's not what he's fucking called. (laughs) <laughs> Thomas. oh it's Tomas O'Leary oh there was another one as well It's uh, some guys kind of garbled they used to garble Dunaka as well
1: okay yeah know,
0: was calling him dunaca
1: I'm surprised how many people got Owen Redden's name right mm. and he wasn't Eoin Redden ever Eoin? That never happened. <laughs> Eoin Reading
0: oh no but there, there's some Irish names they're, they're kind of mainly girls names that I'm, I'm kind of I'm glad I haven't seen rugby commentators garble yeah. as of yet. The likes of Grania, Sirsha, like they do not look anything. like this. When you look at them, no. skills, they look nothing. Yeah. Like um, got into it like there's what? a, been a big the thing between Irish people and John Cleese as of late over that stuff. When
1: I was in Dublin, I was I met a group of kind of lads in a pub in whatever because that's the kind of lad I am. That's, that's, that's. <laughs> exactly, they don't want to pee on the bar. Uh, but basically, no, gutted. Basically, they, they all listened to Blood and Mud, and I'd mentioned actually I've been asked to be on this week. And so I said I'd give them a shout out, and I went to write the names down just in case. And oh. one of them was called Donal, and I spelled his name right, and they all lost their minds that the thought that s- someone raised outside Ireland could spell it properly.
0: Was, was it the one with the MH?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spelt oh, like yeah.
0: Donald Gleeson, so I was it. Oh, yeah, that's okay. why I
1: was able to get it. You know, because of that was
0: that, that, that's a good flex for an non-Irish person to come in and just like bang, whap it out. Donald spelt right with the M H. Yeah,
1: there's the the only names I can do are Donald and Sirisha, but you know, there you go. There, just mic drop Japan. <laughs> <your> <laughs> yeah, it felt a bit like that. It was probably like that gif of the guy in the hoodie and everyone behind him losing their mind. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it felt a bit like that. I have lost track of where we're going with this. Does anyone have anything else? We haven't talked about the game
2: that much. I loads feel. To talk about the game. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Should we just very quickly go over some points? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Go on. I mean, the first one is, in the first couple of minutes, Ireland get a penalty inside their own 22. Johnny Sexton taps it and they go quickly. Should yeah. we just briefly talk about that statement of intent? Bo then kicks down the sideline. Tom Bo then kicks down the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tom yeah. yeah.
1: They they did something similar in the what would have been the Grand Slam game that year against England. Yes. Where they take the quick tap and eventually these to Tommy try. It was something they sort of did in that Kidney era yeah. was they would kind of take, as a bluff, you know, to keep teams aware, Sexton would take quick taps.
0: Yeah. like, at the time, like there was such a big difference between how Johnny Sexton would play at mm. 10 and how Ronan O'Gara had played at 10 up until that point. And at that yeah. point in his career, Ronan O'Gara was heading into his kind of mid, mid-30s. You know, he retired in 2013, I believe, two years later. So it's like, even the tail end of his career, but like as in, still, I think, quite effective at what Ronan O'Gara did. But I think yes. that a lot of what Ireland would, would look to try to do on their kidney was to try and change up some of that, to change up some of the, I think, the, the patterns that people had become accustomed to with Ireland. Because, you yeah. know, we would look at Ireland, we'd go, when, when O'Gara got possession on a penalty, you're, you're driving that down. The idea of a quick tap, just, again, was alien, did not happen. like
2: Yeah, you about when yeah. O'Gara came on. That, again, felt like a bit of a turning point because suddenly Ireland had that extra sense of control. Came on for Darcy, and Sexton moved to the centre. First thing O'Gara does is yeah. he a kick from his own 22 over the opposition 10-metre line. And then Sexton misses a penalty and O'Gara hits the next two penalties perfectly. And Ireland go 15-6 yeah. up.
0: You look at that moment, actually. O'Gara and Sexton playing at the same time. That was a thing that, I think, in Ireland anyway, it was sort of like, whoa... <laughs> Wait, you because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was a bit like kind of accidentally discovering kind of you know like chocolate and peanut butters it's like what um, it was really good and I look at I think that Sexton and but again you look at it and you go there's O'Driscoll and Darcy who are you know top players mm. and then looking to try and move Sexton into 12 where he could, he could certainly play there, right? and he could, he could, he could play there now. He could play in the back row now, the way he looks at the moment. But like, <laughs> you look at uh, like that aspect of Ireland's play, and you almost gave you the best of both worlds in some ways. And yeah, I yeah. think when you look at the, um, the 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 quarter final against Wales, <laughs> that he went with O'Gara to start with Sexton, yeah, at the end, yeah. As opposed to maybe going with what might have worked, which is Sexton. At ten or six, and at twelve, Ogara at ten, and it was seen as being a regressive move at the time. Yeah. But after that game, after the Australia game, like you look at, you know, Ireland against Russia, or Ireland against Italy, like Ogara did play really well, and there was an argument that it was a form decision. But I mm, think that yeah. I'm not sure if it was the the correct decision when I think you could possibly play them both at the same time because I think it would give you a way of playing that I think we only saw glimpses of in that last half of the or the yeah. when when Ogara came on in in the, kind of the latter yeah, right. half of that Australia game.
1: Mm. It stinks of the thing England would do every World Cup year post 2003 until last year which was to kind of develop this really sexy attacking game in the lead up to a World Cup. And then bin it all off entirely and go for a really conservative brand yeah, of rugby. Wilkinson. In yeah. exactly so, like they drop Toby Flood was in the form of his life, been brilliant in the Six Nations. They won the Six Nations with Flood at ten. They drop him, bring Wilkinson in for the World Cup, and it goes <laughs> horribly wrong. Four years later, you know, George Ford first comes in, and they're playing Farrell at twelve, and it's a really interesting axis. Drop him, Farrell goes to ten, and they start just crashing the ball up. And it was just con- you know, two thousand seven, similar thing happening with just them resorting back to Wilkinson. And yeah. it just became the thing England did. And, and Ireland kind of went, well,
2: that's how... They've, they they've gone to semi-finals before. We, we should try that. We should do what they yeah. do. We all know that Wilkinson's world-class, but he didn't suit the game plan that England would, had spent the last 12 months yeah. building up to play in the World Cup.
0: I think there's an argument, though, that a lot of coaches and directors of rugby, when they come into big tournaments, that you look at a kind of a, an expansive style of game, and I think when you look at tournaments, in tournament format, you think, well, teams are never really punished for going conservative. So yeah. maybe if yeah. we kind of maybe narrow our game a little bit and to do that, you might need a kind of a, a guy who's going to truck it up for you at 12. Maybe we'll just revert to that. And then we can, because we, we, we know we can attack, we can do this. We can only we can play the way we've, we've been playing. But let's maybe tighten it up a little bit. I think that's always yeah. a an instinct that's there with coaches to try and go, well... W- Expans- expansion expansion is, is working good for us, but now it's the World Cup or now it's a knockout game. So now we have to go yeah. and play knockout rugby, which is, it, it, it. look, South Africa to a certain extent kind yeah. of narrowed their game to an extent where they yeah. wanted to maximise their strengths and, and did so very, very well. But you look at other teams that maybe don't have the resources that South Africa do or the ability to play that style of game that South Africa do and maybe nobody else in the world does and think maybe tightening it up for knockout rugby isn't always the best option
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's I I always admire Argentina in 2015 for doing exactly the opposite yeah. of having quite a tight game and then suddenly just going bam no we're gonna off you know as Rhiannon put it the other week why hello gentlemen you know
0: we're just gonna <laughs> offload
1: absolutely everything
0: Welcome. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. I think the Pumas, actually, in that 2015 World Cup, were like I. I just have a, g- a general dislike of the Argentinian national team. Anyway, there's this is. Yeah, I wonder this, why. Despite this, this, of this, goes back many, many years, but it actually goes back to a game in 2009. In mm. no, in, in it was a game in Crow Park, anyway, where Ireland were playing uh, Argentina, and there was some mokey mm-hmm. Argentinian who was sitting next to us the entire time in that game (laughs) and I've had it I've had it in for Argentina ever since even before all the other kind of on-field spike that was there you know the the, so there was there was that but you know you look at Argentina in the 2015 World Cup my god they were good to watch and I think that the the, the last year were incredibly good in Super Rugby and it's I think it's a bit of a shame now if they end up getting I suppose yeah dropped out of that Mm. tournament just because of circumstance but yeah. uh, I really like what they were doing. And like they showed how yeah. complete that game could be for Argentina. And again, I hope Argentina do. Because I think I love having a, a kind of a, a spiteful Argentina who are kind of a, a, a rival <laughs> yeah. to everybody. Um, and I think that, yeah, it'd be good if they got back to that level of competence. Because they didn't really look yeah. like themselves at the World Cup for some reason. No.
2: yeah, yeah.
1: and I, I think a lot of that was Ledesma. I just think he's been overpromoted which is kind of awful to say, but I don't think he's a head coach yet anyway, because he kind of had one season as Aguarez as a head coach. He's a, he's a yeah, good coach yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. In,
0: in his in his, in his technicality, um, like yeah. in, in his, I suppose, in his remit of, I think at the moment he's still a unit coach, and there's yeah. nothing at all wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, because I think I've, again, been educated very recently of the complexity of, managing an entire team and as a director Mm. of rugby and and driving training, driving what your overall pattern and style is going to be, it's so difficult. And that's why I understand why some coaches think, you know what, we'll simplify, 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 and then end up almost kind of taking away what was their unique strength to a certain extent. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I remember Danny Wilson saying when he was with the Blues, the reason he went to join Scotland as a forwards coach was because he just, he hated how much admin became the job. You know, was he, he was used to just actually coaching on a field and then he became a head coach at Cardiff Blues. And suddenly it was all just, just admin and just sorting out signings and sitting in a knot and he spent more time in an office than on a pitch.
0: And I wonder whether there's a level. And it's just like, I want to play. And you're just like. (laughs) <laughs> trying to figure out a space room, it's just like, uh, and then trying to figure out, am I going to light to this guy, or am I going to tell him that I don't have any plans for him, and then have to deal with all that situation? It's just so complex.
2: Yeah,
1: we've gone massively off topic. Yeah, um, I last, could continue the, with that. But very final on.
2: point on the game is about the Tommy Bow interception. Um, yes. Minutes ago, which probably is the thing that the game is most remembered for. And we're an hour and a half into this and we've just <laughs> brought it up. But Quade Cooper flicks it behind his back, five metres out from the island trial line, and maybe looks like they could score from an overlap. Tommy Lowe mm. intercepts it, goes 90 yards. James O'Connor. No, at that. Yeah. Go that pass is never wrong from Quade Cooper.
1: No, remember the bow way I remember James O'Connor catching him just like a yard out from the trial line and putting him into touch. That was the stuff I remembered. I didn't remember Quaid. The fact it comes from Quaid Cooper turning his back to his attackers and flicking it out the back of his hand yeah, in a not stupid that. pass that isn't going to anyone. There's two Irish right. defenders that could have picked it off. In the end, it's Tommy Bowe, but he's got competition for that ball. Like, it's close to Ireland players and Australian players. It's yeah. stupid. And he's generally, Quaid Cooper, I think, has quite a good game on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: actually. That moment was one of those things where, again massive nerves at that point because again you're visualizing mm. this is Ireland Australia are probably going to score here and you know especially when it comes up to that to like that close that late in the game and to mm. see quade like, look that that's Quaid Cooper I mean yeah that's yeah. part of what he's, makes him a great player I think but also what has held him back at times which yeah. is just that is just not the past to like no. <laughs> You'd be you'd be better off putting your head down and trucking it up into contact, to be honest. And it's like yeah. it's just one of those things where, if Ireland had scored that, I think it would have been an unfair an unfair reflection on the game as a whole. If he had not that uh, sure. you know, scored that try, I think that would have maybe put a little bit of an unfair tint in it. I think Ireland in the game overall, I think used our size and I think our kind of our physical advantage, I think quite well, and kind mm. of I suppose drove the game. Into areas where we were able to take advantage, I look at Sexton's drop goal, for example,
2: yeah,
0: which is probably of one of the ugliest drop goals I've ever seen, oh scored. yeah,
2: yeah, that's, that's what well
0: I've taken, yeah, yeah, well, i mean yeah it's... well well I mean well taken, but it looked it was yeah. bought ugly,, I like, yeah, low and it just skidded over the bar
1: I'd rather some really appealing looking drop goals that went wider awarded than that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just one of those ones like if yeah like it, it counts or whatever else but like is in maybe it should only be two points it was it was kind <laughs> yeah, of like
2: yeah like, like league style one point it's like leo cullen doesn't look the best but does the job <laughs> sure although if leo cullen is listening i retract that comment because i'm willing to fight tom but not leo cullen <laughs> right,
0: we'll, we'll just we'll, let's let's go yeah, let's go, yeah. So. We have, we have to our the fight now.
2: Now. <laughs> or, or on sale
0: man. have to arrange a straightener so
2: <laughs> Shall we move on, Robbie, to the closing sections?
1: Um, I'm just quickly looking at any other notes I've got. Okay. I mean, I've completely forgotten the game ends with a disallowed try by Conor Murray. Yes. Who is going through his emo phase at the time. Yeah. Hell of a step.
0: A lot of uh, controversy about him being brought even at the time. We've seen yeah. as sort of, a, oh, monster former monster coach bringing this guy I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he ended up having a pretty decent World Cup, actually. Because yeah. Tomas O'Leary. Mm. If you, if you think about it, Thomas O'Leary was the guy who started the... You know, he was a, a big player in the Grand Slam team in 2009. Yeah. But then an injury that summer kind of just wrecked his career to an yeah. extent he never really got back to that level where he was, no. unfortunately. Because I think he was a very good player. But he was... Conor Murray just kind of came on then and just like, well, now Conor Murray is a thing.
1: Yeah. Well, O'Leary was selected for the Lions and then got injured, you know. Like, I it was... Wow. Because it was like two days later, wasn't it? It was... Like Thursday, yeah. uh, he was injured on the Saturday or something.
0: Nick Williams started that game for Munster and was mm. unplayable. And it was that game, the hat yes. trick game. Right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I remember it. Yeah, Unplayable. And Tomas Seliery, I remember at the time because uh, I was on pretty low down onto the pitch, and mm. it was just horrific. It was just awful. Uh-huh. He was coming off. He was in a world pain. And I think Jerry Flannery got an injury as well in and around that time that prevented him from touring 2009 mm. yeah. as well. So, yeah, it, and then, it, was, it, it was tough for those guys.
1: Yeah. Alan Quinlan did the thing that he did that stopped him touring yeah. as well.
0: There, there, there was that thing, yes. That, <laughs> yes, that, 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 that thing uh, that was happened. Alleged incident. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: It, it, was, it was almost the, the perfect thing for Alan Quinlan's career, was to get selected for a Lions tour, but be banned for dirty play and not make it.
0: Look, I know what he did was wrong or whatever. I felt yeah. so bad for him. Because it was just like, at his age, he was what? He was 35, 36? Yeah. On that tour, it would have been super, but it was just like, not to be like. It was just a yeah. moment of madness. Absolutely.
1: I'm just looking for ever have any other note. Oh, there's one point in which Ireland have just the world's biggest blind side. And, you know, they kind of make like a half bust. Wood's biggest blind, like there's no one on one side of the post for Australia. Tommy Bow on his own, one wide ball and he scores. They completely ignore it. They don't bother. Got that jotted down. I've also got jotted down that in Bryce Lawrence, the referee's accent, the words lost forward sound a bit like Ross Ford. So after... I got this from... Australian knocking it before, on,
2: when, we, when we play a yeah. challenge, it sounds like it says Ross
1: Ford all the time. <laughs> it sounds like he's just celebrating a 98 billion cap scottish hooker
2: yeah
1: i wouldn't say 98 is an exaggeration and realize he's got like 15 caps more than that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did that say about scottish rugby
0: or david mccalmond he's got like 54 caps. Yes. i thought he got like 50 more caps than what i ever thought he had i mean jesus <laughs> how
1: did that happen I think I've actually covered everything roughly I have written down. That's incredible. Yeah. To be fair, we have been going for an hour, literally an, an hour, hour and, and a half. half. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with this, Tom. Yeah. Okay. Anyone well, else have any other business?
0: I'm like, I'm I'm 90% here. You see, it's, it's the meds. So it's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just meaning. <laughs> yeah. I sound like Kirtley Beale. Any other business before we move on to the closing section? I'm happy to move. Cool. Okay, I realised, Tom, I didn't mention this—that we do a man of the match and dick of the day. You always forget for this, each game. I know it's a consistent problem. So, well, do you want to start and give you a sure. think about? Okay,
2: uh, uh... I'll start with man of the match. Yeah, yeah. We'll start with man of the match. Okay, so man of the match. I mean, Paul O'Connell's one is really easy to mention, and we've not mentioned him that much, but he's just a mountain of a man. However, I think I'm just got to give it to Stephen Ferris because he was just mm-hmm. everywhere didn't give Genie a, a second on the ball and that nullified the Australian backline so i'm going to go with ferris
1: yeah i think it's hard to argue with ferris i think there's quite a few players who you know the the roy best tondo rob carney all did everything asked of them you know they couldn't have done anything more from their position carney's a sharp. um but i do think it's Ferris, i thought he's had a fantastic game yeah but i think my man of the match was kean healy who yeah is fantastic throughout? You know, does does basically everything, and the island scrum is on top the entire game. There's yeah. there's 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 basically every single sc- you know there's a couple there's a really important scrum penalty he wins on an Australian put in on their own line that kind of moves the score out. I think it's the last penalty they score. Yeah. So there's a few really crucial moments in the scrum, as well as being all over the place with you know the ball and without the ball when he's doing the tackles and that. Yeah. Tom, do you have any thoughts on man of the match?
0: For me I, again I'm kind of I'm leaning towards Stephen Ferris. Mm. I really love Jamie Heaslip's game. I think Jamie Heaslip is a guy who I mean very underrated I think from an Irish perspective and I think you know he's a guy who will go down as one of the all-time great back row players for Ireland I think. He think he had a very strong game here. All-time uh, oh, he, great podcasters as well. A really good yeah. podcast, a really good decision-making on his advertising, I said, podcast as well. But when you look at his, um, you look at Keen Healy, I agree with you there completely. He was fantastic. I've got to go with Stephen Ferris for... <laughs> he was just a guy who just exuded physicality in this game. And yeah. I think there was the big moment with, with Genia. But his physicality all the way through the game, it's a guy like that, he tilts the game in your favor. Having a guy like that in your side... Like with regards to his defensive work rate, it was really good. His just his ability to influence wherever he happened to be, where the ball was, was just a, a big factor, I think, in Ireland getting the momentum we needed in this game. Because I think it was a lot closer than the scoreline suggests. And I think it was, yeah. uh, I, you know, the likes of Stephen Ferris, his kind of physicality put us over the top. And again, I think the second rows for us were very good in this game too, O'Callaghan and O'Connell. Mm. Um, but I, I think Ferris... For the big, big moment he had, because I think thirty, you know, thirty-eight minutes in, with a scrum like that, you know, coming up to the hooter, very, very important to make sure you finish off that half strong. That moment kind of tells the rest of the team we've got to get to where he is. If he yeah. like, in, he's pushing those guys back, he's making a big, big moment that you know pops the guys in the bench, pops the crowd, and you're, you know, you know it. We're, we're 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 hurting these guys these yeah. guys are wondering what the hell are we, are we going to do to try and stop these fellas I think for that big moment in itself that I would give him out of the match for not only his general physicality his general play but that moment because it gave I think it gave Ireland collectively the kind of the feeling you know what mm-hmm. we, have, we, have, we have more than these guys than, than what these guys can handle yeah,
2: yeah absolutely yeah, yeah well put.
1: the other guy I mentioned quickly is I think Conor Murray we just talked about him but he makes a huge impact on the bench yeah. as well I think he's fantastic when he comes on. Yeah, I think he, assured. ironically, adds a kind of real speed and pace to the way Ireland are playing, considering yeah. what we think of him now. But also, he he does kick well, and he do, is the whole you know does the at the time was still talked of as Irish Mike Phillips because he was tall, and he does the whole engaging the the fringes thing that Phillips was known for, and was the only thing Phillips did, whilst also being a proper scrum half. Uh,
0: so yeah, I thought Conor Murray was very good. I think it's the Conor Murray. He came in practically. As the Conor Murray that we know today, as in, there's very little mm. of a of a scale for him where he kind of starts off a bit a bit ropey or whatever else. He came in and he's from pretty much from the from the get go has always been a guy who go. He's actually really good, and it's you know he he didn't really have any, I suppose, apprenticeship period where he came in and was just mm. you know, dodgy with bits and pieces. He came in very fully formed and and kind of a guy who was, I think. When you get when you look past beyond the whole Munster Leinster thing, I think a guy who you could tell was going to be really good from a very young age. He played ten when he was underage as well. So like you, mm. yeah, that, I've heard that. He had that. Um, he had that kind of the the bang of a top player very very early.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: and I think as well because it was the previous year I remember seeing Conor Murray make his debut for Munster, and everyone saying, "Oh, this is a really promising young lad." And it feeling so quick that he gone
2: to the Ireland yeah. team the following year, yeah. having
0: only had kind of a handful of players. Felt weird going to
2: World Cup, didn't it? At this point, yeah, starting the quarterfinal as well.
0: It helped a little bit, I think, by uh, Tomas Leary, just again kind of sure. falling out of contention, I suppose. But yeah, it, it was a, it was a very rapid rise, and I remember myself even kind of going, "Geez, that's a bit quick for him to be taken along then as well." But like as in, I, I, I don't think he ever looked out of place. No. Yeah. Even um, first warm-up games, he always looked really like a guy who always looked like he should be at the level he was at.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Should we move on then yeah. to our dick of the day? Sure, William Russo. And do you have any suggestions? Sure.
2: I mean, Quay Cooper is an obvious one for throwing that pass out the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. However, my dick of the day, I'm going to say again, ant finger. Anthony Fienger for yep. very similarly to the Australia-Ritler game, didn't really do anything throughout the game. And then there's one point where Australia have a decent attacking opportunity, and he passes it forward into touch. Like, on one of your few Australian so, attacking yep. opportunities. Have you picked the same guy for the same reason? So, I, I have
1: also picked Anthony Faienga because, similarly to the, the other game, right, I'm going to read you a stat from this match, okay? Sure. Passes... Zero, which is incorrect because he passes one ball into touch. Yeah. Forward into touch as well, I should add. Carries, zero. So meters made, obviously, zero. Clean break, zero. Defenders beaten. Offloads, zero, zero. His stats are zero across the board. Tackles made, zero. Tackles missed, zero. Is how do you, like, how do you make zero tackles from the 13 position? When you're in the centre? Yeah. Well, okay, so, Brian O'Driscoll makes six carries. How do you not tackle your... How do you we're not make a tackle from 13? <laughs> yeah, what were you doing? Is
0: something. So all he did was so pass the ball he, makes, touch.
1: he touches the ball. No, he touches the ball twice. Once he throws it forward into touch and the other, he just gets barreled into touch instantly. Like ah, he kind of catches the ball right. and gets barreled. Yeah, driven backwards into touch. So for that reason, despite the fact there's a moment which Owen Redden picks the ball up, looks around one way, the other way, the other way, and then drops it in front of him. Yeah. Um, it takes something strong to beat that, but once again, Anthony Vinger, who I rated before watching these yeah, games, yeah, man, yeah.
2: and he's been beyond terrible. Yeah, yes, Ant Finger. Um, Tom, you got any? I had Anthony for Dick Fienger. Fienger as well. I
0: I, yeah. cause I was looking at the same stats. I was looking at uh, an article afterwards where people were kind of wondering mm. what what was the point of his <laughs> time in the field. I was going to say the Australian back row as well because they were. Really, I think decisively outplayed. But I think yeah. when you look at Foyunga, when you look at quite a big game from an Australian perspective, up against a great at a of the game in Brian O'Driscoll, for him to fall so short with regards to any sort of tangible impact on the game, for me, I, 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 I just feel disappointed for the fella because yeah. you're, you know you 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 know you, you always want the opposition to play relatively poorly enough that you can win, but for in a situation like this, like. It just was such a, a non-event for him personally. And yeah. it's just almost like you hate seeing the game pass guys by. And that was certainly yeah. the case for him in this one, where you would think in an Australian backline like that, that he would have a little bit more of an impact, a little bit more, at least some bit of productivity. But again, I just felt yeah. that he was just anonymous. Same with a, a, a lot of their back row for much of the game. A lot of Australians front row, I think as well, were very disappointed. Yeah. But I think when you look at Fyinga and you think at the general quality of the Australian backline, I was expecting him to have a lot more of an impact in the game. Because I remember when I was like looking at the, the team sheet before watching the game, I remember thinking about Fyinga, pretty much the same as you, to this guy. Oh, this guy, I remember him being pretty good. And in this yeah. game then, I was expecting that he would play, you know, have a bit more impact on what he did. So I, I was just so. disappointed that he had such a flop relative to my expectation of him as a player.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, other, the other contender, I guess, for Dick of the Day, is if said Dick has been castrated, Ben McCallman, because then there's nothing
0: there. How would you even do it? You'd have to find him first. <laughs> <Would> you... <laughs> yeah,
1: <absolutely>, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that.
0: Yeah. You with like, um... with, like, with McCallman, I, I, I think I remember watching a game with the Western force with him. Okay. It was actually quite good. But in this game, is like he was actually just, the game passed him by so much, I completely forgot that he was involved at international level. Yeah.
2: Yes, I didn't notice him.
0: Yeah. Who? And during the game, <laughs> then, just, again, very little impact. And you look at the guys he's playing against, you could go, okay, fair enough. But, yeah, yeah. just one of those guys who ends up having a really good career, just falls Mm. completely underneath my radar completely
1: if you want an idea of the kind of career he had and the kind of play he was my only real memory of his playing career was in the third place playoff of a world cup yeah I was thinking that which and he scored a try in that third place playoff in 2011 and that's all I remember about his career and it was a drive over from like an inch or two it wasn't even an interesting try which if that's the only memory a third place playoff the most pointless game that's the moment you stand up and fight. Day until until the school bell goes and they tell you this is enough nonsense. You've done an yeah. awful lot of nonsense today. So uh, have we. That's what, my, that's what my teachers did. They called me that was exactly the point I was making. Oh, I my teacher used to call me over and say it's a lot of nonsense, here. Don't do so much so much so much antics and gibberish and what so,
2: do you call it. Are you Joe Marla?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: A Look Joe, a...
1: yeah. too much banter, we need less banter and more coursework. Get off my desk and stop peeing. <laughs> we don't do a GCSE in banter anymore, <laughs> that got dropped after the Labour government lost the election. <laughs> They've not elected Haskell as PM. Yeah, <laughs> It's the Archbishop of Banterbury mate. <laughs> anyway, anyway, okay. I think this is as good an opportunity as any to call it. Tom, thank you very much. Where can people find you? Where can people find your stuff on social media and so on? If You
0: you can find me at 3RickKings on Twitter, patreon.com forward slash 3RickKings on Patreon, believe it or not, and 3RickKings.com, where I do write about a lot of stuff, mostly Munster in Ireland, but sometimes about other lesser teams as well. <laughs> it nice. is
1: very, very good. I think your stuff is absolutely fantastic and enlight- genuinely enlightening on what forwards are and what they do, which is something I have been known to, not, not struggle with, but, you know, wonder.
2: Yeah. I'm going to come to you for some tips for shouting at forwards as a scrum off, <laughs> so I can sound like I'm knowledgeable in these areas about mauls and stuff and tell them what to do better.
0: So, with yeah. if, if you want to impress your forwards, if there's a fight at some kind, throw a slap of some description. Okay. <laughs> okay. And have them have to come in and break it up and you're just like, here, your man was getting stuck in there like in fairness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I okay. Give, I, would give, I would give that a go.
2: Okay, thank you. I would take that advice.
0: From halves, is just like, there's a fight going on. Let's throw a slap. Let's try and get stuck in here to show what we're all about. And then sure. the like, from halves, sure. and the rest of the backs are just kind of off over there texting or whatever the fuck. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, yeah that, that's one way to get them on your side for sure.
2: Thank you for the advice, and thank that's you for coming on. it has been bath. Yeah, really enjoyed your company on this. It's been thank you very much. Good. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: that's been great. I will call it there. I almost start with another anecdote, but that I don't want to take another five ten minutes. Yeah, because there's there's so much longer this could roll on for, and we've eaten enough of not just not just our esteemed guest, the one and only Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings' time, but of of your time as a listener. You know, you're still not commuting, so you're just waiting for this to be over because you're not wasting time. It is like, you know when you're listening to a podcast, right? And you're kind of thinking, okay, I need to go and do this thing, but there's only two minutes left, so I'll let it finish. I'll let sure. it run. We're getting okay. that time. We'll do that. People are do- waiting to do something else. So anyway. what we should do is just end it right here and right now. Bye.